0: We welcome you to the preaching service of the Scots Fork Christian Church. I'm Otis Clark, the minister of the church, and we are so pleased that you have opted to share in this message, and hopefully it will be a help to all of us. This morning, we're going to talk about the anatomy of hope, and I feel very comfortable in saying that probably with the happenings of the last year and a half or more, that all of us are hoping for many things, one of which is that we can see a healing uh, for COVID-19 and that things can get back to somewhat the way they were. We know when looking at the life of Christ that Christ saw pain as an opportunity for greater pleasure. Christ saw enduring pain for doing what is right as a door for his greatest delight, God himself. We are to arm ourselves with this same mindset. And one of the words that I want to call to our attention is that it is so important, I think, to seek to have the mindset of Christ. Psychologists tell us people want to be known. Some people want to be known for their work as an actor, as a singer. Others want to be known as a culinary artist. Others just want to be known. Some take the particular need to be known as we could all surmise to the extreme. I want us to see very early on in our message here how others view us is a powerful motivator. For example, one person might say, I don't wear certain clothes in order to be seen as fashionable. But most of us all are powerfully motivated by ensuring others will be like us. And so this morning I I want to talk about this and and realize that what we're talking about in the book of Peter, we'll read in just a moment, uh, talks about this most important issues. And what I want to share with you is that we find great pleasure not by standing out in the crowd. Yet I contend that the greatest pleasure is not found in what others think of me, but I find my greatest joy, our greatest pleasure, on in what God himself. Be resolved to find your greatest pleasure in Jesus Christ despite opposition, for one day you will give an account, and I will give an account, of my life. Peter writes in 1 Peter 4, 1 through 6, listen closely to these words. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, and drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry, and on we could go. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh, the people are, the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way that God does. Now I want us to look at this and look very closely at these words that we've just read and also we'll be reading from Ephesians, the second chapter. We note very quickly in this second verse that Peter points out to us in verse 2 that we have a choice. And friends, this is very, very important. We can live for God's will or for human passions. Living for human passions today is respectfully called hedonism. I've had different people and they said it with the utmost kindness and i would say, tell me what you know about that particular person and they would say it very lovingly and very very nice and they would say, well, they are very hedonistic. They uh, really, really are wrapped up in maybe the things that ju- just would make them happy. It's the idea that only pain or pleasures motivate us and we need to understand most of us uh, do not give uh, uh, living uh, for pleasure a name uh, like maybe somebody would use like hedonistic but we instinctively live to please ourselves now uh, everything as we read the holy word and i don't think i am begging the holy scriptures that it would say that god wants us to enjoy life he wants us to uh, have joy and happiness but is just like everything Uh, we have to seek to understand how that we can share in joy and happiness all of these are byproducts and uh, if we uh, uh, don't heed to if we seek the life of christ and seek to live a life that gives us the hope of eternal life is that uh uh, then needless to say uh this is important only once what we need to see that peter again tells us that we have a choice to live for God and endure suffering during this lifetime to enjoy the greatest pleasures in the next life. Or we can follow a hedonistic pleasure now where the blueprint is to eliminate suffering from our worlds. In essence, as we read in First Peter 4, 4, Peter is calling on us to pursue pleasure, but the right kind. It's not human passions that he wants us to pursue, If we find our pleasure in doing what the Gentiles want to do, live in sensuality and passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry, then our pursuit of pleasure is too weak. Many of us, when we think of pleasure, may think of it as enjoying a relaxing cup of coffee in the morning. Women may think of uh, the company of an intelligent, witty, and handsome man. Teenagers may, uh, may think making the all-star team in baseball where they, their name is called out before everyone else. Professionals will seek notoriety of being the best in their profession. Yet Peter says that pursuit of pleasure is not wrong, but it's just too weak. Listen to what uh, Pascal says, said. All men seek happiness. This was without exception whatever different ways they try it they all tend to this end the cause of some going to war or others avoiding it can somewhat be the same desire in both the will never takes the least step but to this object uh, there is a movie possibly some of you have seen it and uh, it's uh, very interesting and uh, and so we need to see that even in the world uh, of um, a, a secularism and this type of thing, uh, that there is um, actually uh, a whole lot that encourages doing what is mentioned here in the book of Peter. For instance, as um, we read in, uh, uh, in the Bible, no, in, nowhere in the Bible does God condemn people for longing to be happy. People are condemned for, sake, for forsaking God and seeking their happiness other than in God. This is the essence of sin. The Bible actually commands us to delight in the Lord, as the Psalmist said in thirty-seven four. Jesus teaches us to love, and to love God more than money, because our heart is where our treasure is. When Jesus gave that great sermon on on the mount, he talked about this very matter and told us that where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. And Paul wants us to believe that by gaining Christ is worth the loss of everything else. The author of Hebrews exhorts us to endure suffering like Jesus for the joy set before him. So you and I, we have a choice in front of us. Should I pursue the short-term pleasures described in verse 4? Or should I pursue an eternal pleasure by pursuing God? The question is answered by you when you determine which is your greatest pleasure. It's very profound and very interesting to note that the early Christians that read this letter answered the question. They stiff-armed the passions of the flesh for the ultimate pleasure found in God. They abstained from uh, popular forms of entertainment, whether it was the Roman theater with its risque performances, the chariot races, the uh, the oil, uh fights with their blood and, and gore. Uh, no matter, the early Christians were resolved. They refused to burn incense to the Roman emperor, which was a gesture of civic gratitude, much like pledging the allegiance to the flag of, for America, only they refused because their creator was uh, caesar uh, was uh, because caesar was the lord and for this they were hated by others yet their lives are a memorial that suffering is a little pain uh, a little pain in this life you see friends if you wish to join these early christians by pursuing the greatest pleasure then peter has solid words of counsel for you he tells us that to pursue the ultimate pleasure in God, you must expect to suffer in this life, because Christ suffered in the flesh. Anyone who follows Jesus Christ should expect to suffer uh, as well. To say someone suffered in the flesh is an odd expression for us, but the even uh, but the even, a quick read of uh, Peter's uh, letter shows the word suffer is one of the favorite words. Peter had spoken about Christ's suffering over and over in his letter. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued continued in entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, Peter says, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds, you have been healed now it's interesting to take a look at this word armed uh, where we read and the word arm in verse one as, as like i said as we read a moment ago where it says to to arm yourself is widely used uh, by the uh, uh, in the new testament, in the new testament scriptures in places the word describes uh, arming yourself for battle whether that means grabbing a sword or for protection, equipping one's chariot prior to battle, taking a weapon to go on the offenses. It can also be used to describe the preparation necessary before getting off to sea, such as preparing for the ship's tackling. We need to notice, Peter writes, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves. He's saying to you wherever you might be as you're sharing this broadcast. He's saying to me as I share this message. He's saying to all of us is that Christ suffered and he says, arm yourself with the same way of thinking for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. We are to arm ourselves with the same way of thinking. As Christ thought, have this mind Among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, made himself nothing. Paul talks about this in Philippians 2. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, he humbled himself by coming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Jesus' ultimate suffering was the cross. Jesus didn't enter the cross as an accident, swept up as events out of his control. Instead, we learn no one, as it says in John ten eighteen, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up. This charge I have uh, received from my Father. Jesus chose suffering as his vocation And he calls on all of us to take up our crosses and follow him. Friend, I want to encourage you from the bottom of my heart that if we are going to be effective and really run the race, keep the faith, we have got to seek to have the mindset of Jesus Christ. And friends, I would submit to you that if we do not worship him with brethren of life, precious faith, uh, if we don't uh, uh, hear the preaching of the word, hear the teaching of the word, uh, there is no doubt uh, that uh, we will never get to the place that we'll have the kind of mindset that we ought to have. In his book, 100 Prison Meditation by Richard Warmbrandt, who spent 14 years in prison as a Romanian minister, wrote I have accepted this proposal. Christians are meant to have the same vocation as their king, that of cross-bearers. It is this conscience of a high calling and a partnership with Jesus which brings gladness and tribulation, which makes Christians enter prisons for their faith with the joy of a bridegroom entering the bridal room. Christ saw pain as an opportunity for greater pleasure. Christ saw enduring pain for doing what is right as a door for his greatest delight, God himself. We are to arm ourselves with this same mindset. Suffering today is painful, yet if I suffer for doing so what is right, this will only lead to a greater joy when I am with my heavenly Father. Don't miss that. This mindset is an important piece of armor when you are in the foxhole of suffering. And so in 1 Peter 4 and verse, the latter part of verse 1, Peter is telling you something similar. Arm yourselves with your mindset, not before suffering comes, now before suffering comes. You will not be taken off guard when suffering comes. For he says, Who or whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Peter's point is not that by suffering for doing what is right, we can achieve sinliness Peter's point is is that by enduring mockery enduring scorn we have refused to go along with the crowd in their sinful ways we have decisively broken from the old sinful ways of the world and so we can be used to live and serve God yes be resolved get that word in your mind as you live your life that's very important I've probably said it on previous podcast messages that if we do not have clearly defined and uh, and we're not determined in all probability we're going to listen to the words of Satan to the words of the world and not walk in the spirit and be guided by the spirit as Christ wants to do for us so badly be resolved despite opposition And that's a very, very important thing to keep in mind. Uh, The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 4, 3 and 4, listen to these words. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality and passions and drunkenness and orgies and drinking parties and lawless uh, idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. Friends, today, and Peter also goes on to say in the second chapter, verses four through eight, the opposition that Peter's talking about has in mind is the mocking and the slandering done to Christians. Friends, I cannot imagine saying something, doing something, making mockery of the Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot imagine saying slandering things about the things that belong to Christ are that are upright teachings and certainly will bring us the ultimate happiness and he says this because you will not join in on the fun of living as if you had no moral restraints you are maligned mockery and shame are powerful tools those of you who have uh, good memories in life you can rest assured it has been Because that you have made up your mind. You have become determined. You have resolved. I beg my life is going to be a life which will be lived for Christ. The teachings of Christ and following the teachings of Jesus Christ. In verse 3, you see people living life with no seatbelt, so to speak. You see people jumping from the bridge with no bungee cords. Jumping from plane with no parachute. It's more fun they, that, that way, and they say, and, and they ask why, because sin itself is fun. Grab a hold of this, brothers, for a limited period of time. Why else? Because you do it because others are doing it. You won't, don't want to be isolated. You don't want to be mocked or reliant. And so you jump from the plane without a parachute, not thinking about landing in a few minutes. You forget that little things lead to large things. This is as true in warfare as it is in the hearts of men and women. Every sin, whether large or small, is a declaration of war against God. Notice, friends, if you will, that Adam and Eve did not commit adultery and they did not murder. They merely ate a piece of fruit that God told them not to eat. This may seem only a small sin, but it is a sin that has made all the difference in this world. I challenge you, friends, to realize, uh, just as many through life have, uh, to be mindful of the importance of little things, you think you can control them, and uh, I don't know if there's anything really as little sins, but I'll use that word, and they seem so small, so insignificant, but uh, they are but the beginning of greater sins. Each and every one, no matter how insignificant they may seem, is a declaration, a war against the creator we continue to look at the teachings and we need to see that he says to us and we need to understand in life just as our lord was mocked just as he was beaten listen to me these things were actual actually actually happened to our lord that we need to realize as we live our lives and it seems that it is becoming more at a pace moving at a pace that this is going to come our way speaking of opposition than we have experienced maybe in some time and when tribulation persecution arises on account of the word jesus said opposition comes because the word is in you and the word causes conflict in your life if you're a new believer one of the struggles you face is facing temptation when with your unbelieving friends. Just like this uh, uh, people, uh, individuals after individuals, uh, we could point out. You know, we look today at many angles and department stores do not sell clothes, they sell fashions. The very name shows us how uh, short-lived uh, uh, particular styles of clothing are. We do not want to be seen not wearing the latest fashion. We don't want to look at old-fashioned fas- old or odd. So when opposition uh, comes our way, we bow like a reed in the wind. We succumb to peer pressure. And Peter tells us not to waffle, not to bend in to pressure from others. When others mark, remember that you have sinned sufficiently that peter says in first chapter verse 14 for the time that is past suffices for doing what the gentiles want to do as i read just a moment ago living in sensuality and passions drunkenness orgies drinking parties lawless idolatry and then he says as obedient children do not be conformed to the patterns of your former ignorance Peter says that when you face the slander of others do not arm yourselves do arm yourselves with the mindset of Christ. Jesus knew what life was about because he had seen the other side of life before he came to Bethlehem. He had lived in heaven before coming to earth. He knew better to be satisfied with meals out of trash cans when a real banquet awaited him. Friends, let me encourage you. If you're going to know about the anatomy of hope, you've got to understand that there is right, there is wrong, and if you will just make that choice to do the right and challenge yourself, and one of the things to keep in mind, don't succumb to the pleasures of others who mock you. Instead, change the water around you. Remember that little things lead to big things, and soon all your chances of real joy are gone. It's interesting to note that when we look at, uh, continue to look in the book of Peter, the third verse, that five of the six sins that Peter mentions in verse three are self destructive tendencies that show a lack of self control. They show an unrestrained desire for sex and food and drink. There's no real pleasure always and continually up to the end in doing this living this kind of a lifestyle you may find great pleasure in the wind through uh, uh, through your hair as you jump from the plane but remember you must land i want to share that statement again it is so profound you may find great pleasure in the wind through your hair as you jump from the plane but remember you must land a lot of people just live for the moment. They don't think about what the consequences are going to be and what will actually happen. And then thirdly, be resolved for you will give an account of your life. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are, uh, who are dead. That though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Probably one of the ways that the adversaries were maligning the Christians was by saying, hey, you say that you have such good news. You say that you escape judgment. You say your God is great. Well, all of of you uh, uh, beg your pardon, but, but so if you die, we need to understand That there is going to be that landing and there is going to be that time when all of our decisions we have made and how we have lived our lives, that they will be judged. Friends, keep in mind as you live this life that as we have a choice of doing the right, choice of doing the wrong. And we need to understand that sin never adds up to right. People can go through life side by side that they can end up in totally opposite destinies determined by their response to Jesus Christ. I pray, friend, that you have made the choice to give your life to Christ and that you are resolved to live for him. You are resolved to say yes to Christ, no to Satan, and yes to the things of our beloved Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we want to share in hope and we know that to share in that, we must realize, seek to realize, to understand what Christ has done. And then also, we must understand our part in this situation. Bless each one who has listened and guide them by your Holy Spirit. In his name we pray. Amen.